Yo, what the hell's up, people? Hey, yeah, this is something, right? <laughs> yeah, welcome to the first episode of uh, Chin Check. Yep, trying something new. Okay, so, you know, um, I'm looking at shit and the podcast was just getting, like, you know, we've got so many UFC events. The podcast is getting long, man. It was getting really long. So I was thinking, oh, how can I break this down? How can I make it a bit more probably palatable? You know what I mean? Just make sure people actually listen and rather be like, oh, it's a bit daunting. So I figured what I will do, I'm going to take the fighting talk and just put it out as a bonus episode. Um on top of the main episode so yeah that's what i'm gonna do and because you know i don't just watch ufc there's like ebi combat jujitsu like glory and other shit you know so hey we can talk about all of it and talk about some of the other shit as well right so i mean that's what we're gonna do each week well, maybe, like, sometimes there might, because sometimes there's no fights and stuff like that. So maybe there's, you know what I mean, there'll be the odd week where there's not an episode. But as I said, look, it's, it's going to be a bonus thing. So, uh, hey, we'll, we'll see how it goes, right? But, um, hey, it's International Fight Week, so it seemed like the perfect time to try this shit out. So let's get to it, people. Let's get to it. Okay, people, so it's International Fight Week. It's that time again. And uh, <clears throat> it is all starting this year. I mean, this year, it's like it seems a bit lighter than what it normally is. There's only one fight card for one thing. Did you think, like previous years, there's always been an Ultimate Fighter finale um, I think then one year they had um they had a fight night and then the numbered pay per view. So this year it's really you know what I mean it, 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 it's down to the bones. But you know we've got the Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, yeah, the 2019 class, and like you know. I, I think in previous years, like, you know, I was interested last year because Sarah got inducted um, and Rousey. Uh, but this year, this year, I was really, you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, yeah, I need to watch this one because, you know, Bisbing was getting inducted. And, uh, yeah, it's like, Bisbin 
it is kind of like really when I think I started being able to watch it consistently because I think I started watching UFC uh, it must be like 2004 um because the weird thing was um I've I've been watching old UFCs recently so I'm up to 2006 now and um what it you know but over here in the UK it was it was hard to find the coverage so like I'd sometimes get to see a fight and then you know you're looking and be like oh so you come back the next that time next week or you know and it's not nothing's on and then you find oh they've shown it it's on a different channel now and it's a different time and so it was all like weird so I'd be able to watch things in patches uh and um yeah I think when Bisbing you know got on the ultimate fighter that's when things became a bit more consistent and it was easier to find stuff and uh, there may be a few streams ain't gonna lie i think i probably had to borrow some stuff off the internet as it were but you know i mean maybe i did maybe i didn't who knows who knows people it was just a different time you know what i mean it was a different time Oh man, if Fight Pass was around then, woo, that would have been that would have been awesome. But yeah, so you know, I I, I wanted to watch the Hall of Fame, and when you when you saw like the the people getting inducted this year, so you had um the fight between Diego Sanchez and uh, Clay Guida. You got Rich Franklin, Rich Ace Franklin. And Sugar Rashad Evans. You know, the season two winner of the Ultimate Fighter. So, um, yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, um, <laughs> hey, and it's hosted by John Anik. And I have to say, I, I believe Anik came on board when UFC signed the deal with Fox, and, um, yeah, 2011, I believe that was when that, that happened, and, hey, that was one of the best acquisitions, because John Anik is such a great commentator, you know what I mean, he's such a great commentator, and he's just such a likable dude, and, his birthday's just a little bit, a few days before mine. So he's got to be a stand-up motherfucker, right? Um, so Anik hosted, uh, and the first people to get inducted was um, the Guida-Sanchez uh, fight. And it was really interesting, because Guida got up, and I think it's the, the, the only time I've seen Guida stand still. <laughs> it's the only time I've seen Guida stand still. You know what I mean? He is usually just moving, constantly moving. Even after a hard ass fight, win, lose, or draw, he's moving. So it was just like weird just seeing him, yeah, standing still. 
Then Diego Sanchez comes out. And um, <laughs> to, to quote Bisbin, it's not crazy at all. <laughs> Which was just like, I wasn't expecting that. I, I thought we were going to get some kind of manic, crazy, like, speech from Sanchez. But it really wasn't. So, um, yeah, that was fun. Because that was one hell of a fight. It was just so back on. Just didn't stop. They just didn't stop for 15. You know what I mean? Whoa. Whoa. You know, there's, you don't see many of those fights. But when you do, God damn it, man. God damn it. Um, so, yeah, next up was uh, Rich Ace Franklin. And um, I, so I always thought he was a bit like Marion Renu in the fact that because when they always used to talk about it, it'd be like Rich um, is a math teacher but then it was like oh so he actually quit being a teacher to be a full-time fighter but I always thought like I just every time I saw him fight I imagined that then the next day he was going to go, be going in and teaching his class and everything like that and just be like shit imagine that man like, you couldn't be like, oh, maths is boring, sir. You know, you'd be like, oh, shit, he might kick my ass. But, um, yeah, just like, as I say, I'm, I'm up to 2006. So, Franklin has just beaten Evan Tanner for the belt. Um, and, you're, you know, it's, it's getting to watch those classic fights that he had. And he, I think he was, like... I think at that time as well, really what the UFC needed was he's a clean-cut guy. Yeah, I think he's probably like that. If you looked at him, you probably wouldn't have suspected he's a fighter. He was very respectful. He's very well-spoken. So I think, you know, because people are looking at the UFC like it's you know, human cockfighting. It's the return of the Colosseum. So he showed a different side of what fighting could be, you know. So I think that was probably really what was needed. And just think now he's uh, he's over at one championship. So that's pretty impressive, right? Um, <clears throat> so the next up, we had uh, Sugar Rashad. Ah, Sugar Rashad Evans. You know, kind of like the Shane Mosley of the UFC. Um, yeah, I, and there was a freaking earthquake. You know what I mean? There was an earthquake. That was crazy. <laughs> but it was funny. It was like Sugar putting on these little impressions of his mom and his un and Uncle Juneberg. And <laughs> it was great. It was great hearing those stories, man. Just hate great hearing those stories. It was like, and I remember it's a funny thing like when John Jones was coming through at um, Jackson's, Jackson Wink. Um, there was a whole thing about him and Rashad. And then that fight came about. And like Sugar was just like, um, yeah, I'm going to leave the camp. So he left the camp. 
And it always seemed a bit like, oh man, that's just a shame. You know what I mean? Because you just think like, he was there first and he's a great fighter. So it was always, it always seemed a shame. But, but you have to think about it. That was probably the best thing. And if that hadn't have happened, right? If that hadn't have happened, would we now have um, Kamara Usman? You know what I mean? Would we now have Kamara Usman? Because, you know, uh, Evans, um, he started to back the black zillions with um, Glenn Cook. I mean, and Glenn Cook threw a lot of money into that. You know, for a lot. Of, and it was really nice that Rashad acknowledged Glenn in his speech. Um, But yeah, you, you think of the people who, who he kind of tutored and, and helped. Like Michael Johnson. Um, like Michael Johnson, yeah, he hasn't become a champion or anything, but. He is a good fighter. Michael Johnson is a really good fighter. And so you think of the lives that Rashad has touched. And for that all to be topped off with Usman. And Usman winning. And Usman always says he looks at Rashad as a big brother. So yeah. Sugar Rashad Evans, man. That you know, it, it just seemed fitting that he was inducted too, and you know, I think for 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 it all to end with Bisbing, all to end with Bisbing, that just it seemed right. It seemed right, and like Annex said, like this class was built around Bisbing, and you think, yeah. Because of everything Bisbin did. You know, like, the fact that he... You know, he was the ambassador for the UK. But I remember you're first watching the UFC. And it's like all these American fighters. And you're like, yeah, no, this is cool. This is fun. But you were just like, you know, it's an American sport. So then watching... Like season three of the Ultimate Fighter, and you had Bisbing, um, and was it Ross Poynton? I think it was Ross Poynton, right? Um, from the UK, and it all like I was always just like, what the fuck are you doing? Because they put subtitles. I'm like, you you can understand him. What's going on? Why are you putting fucking subtitles underneath his name every time he talks? You can understand him. What is this? This is. Ah, this is insane. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and uh, Bisbing shone through in that season. Like, Ross was a character too, but, like, he just wasn't as good a fighter as Bisbing. So, you know what I mean? Seeing Bisbing come through and win it, like, and there was all that Matt Hamill stuff, you know, but Hamill got injured. So then when Bisbing then got around to fighting him, that, that you know what I mean? It was just like, okay, cool. So, you know what I mean? It's done. Like, you can't 
say anything now. Bisbin beat Hamill. Like people say it's close. It wasn't. I mean, it was a close fight, but Bisbin won that fight. Let's not front. You know, but it was just like watching his career. And watching his career is a good energy, analogy, analogy, like it, <laughs> oh my god, it kind of reflects life. Oh my words, I do, like I don't know why. Every time I go to record one of these, I'm just like I lose my words. Like even people in real life, I am so eloquent. It's it's ridiculous. People comment on how eloquent I am. So you know, even though you might be listening and thinking this motherfucker can't even speak, just be known. I I speak the best English, the Queen's English. I'm magnificent at it. But anyway, Bisbing reflected life. You know, there were ups, there were challenges, and then there were downs. There were moments when you're just like, right, this is it. If I can get over this hurdle, then it's the big time. And then there was the stumble. Um... And yeah, it was it was just always that, and like it was, you know, you always thought like Bisbing's gonna be a champion for sure. Bisbing's gonna be a champion. Like when Forrest won the belt, it was just like, oh shit, these Ultimate Fighters. It's no joke, man. These motherfuckers, they can be the champions too. Then Rashad beat Forrest, and you're just like, yo, Bisbing is next, man. Bisbing's gonna win that belt. But it was just like, yeah. The, the 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 stumbles, man. It was so like, oh, it was frustrating as hell. <clears throat> but then when you when you saw some of them, like the Vitor one, and then it was like Vitor's on juice, and it's just like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, man. That's so. But that's life, isn't it? You know what I mean? Those times when you stumble and it's not even your fucking fault. There's some. Bullshit in the way You know But you have to pick yourself up Have to pick yourself up And that Marv You know what I mean Biz Bin He he, he basically lost the sight in one eye That's what that motherfucker built Or did to him You know And He never made a big deal out of it He, He still fought Still fought because you think, right, really, the main, the reason he lost to Gastelin was the punch came through on the side where he couldn't see. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it came on that blind side. So, it, you have to think, shit. Like, he won the belt. Like at a, a point, and only recently has it been exceeded by um you know Cowboy Cerrone, but Bisbing had the most fights, the most wins in the octagon, and you just think, yo, it's a motherfucker from the UK, son. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not just an American-dominated sport, man. Like anyone can go do it. Anyone can go do it. And I don't even rep the UK like that. But see, I think it was more the fact just seeing a guy 
that just put everything into it everything into it and he always you know talked about his family like his wife rebecca his kids callum ellie and lucas and just seeing those relationships and seeing what it all meant to him you know that was and also the fact that he was always himself you know we talk shit uh, but like if people talk it's like chat shit get bang you know what i mean like there's no front in here no front in and i remember um <clears throat> so it was you know he'd lost to chael so he'd lost to chael in a fight that hey <laughs> i he won that fight you know what I mean? He won that fight, if you ask me. But you then find out that, you know, Chael has been uh, duping the system a little bit. You know what I mean? So he's been taking a, little, a few drugs and shit. But you're like, all right, okay, okay, fine, fine. But he lost that fight. And it was just like, oh, man fuck what's gonna happen now and i remember he'd fought um tiago latus i think in um <clears throat> in edinburgh i believe i think that was the score uh so that happened and i i, I then a, a day or so later i went round some friends it was great, like, and, um, yo, it was my friend, uh, Jack and Nisu, right, so we used to train together, like, it, we always thought of ourselves as the free musketeers, because we always, we'd, like, you know what I mean, when people were fucking around and stuff like that, we'd be there drilling, you know, and drilling techniques, working, so we could then, you know, as, especially when it was time for grading, you know what I mean? We'd be working hard so we could grade and get our next belts. And we were all on the same belt, so we're working through together. And, yo, I, I there's so much time for those motherfuckers. You know what? I need to give those motherfuckers a call. Yeah. But, yo, so I remember. I went, I, it's been a minute, and we caught up. And I went around to their new place, which was incredible, man. Their new place, it was incredible. And they'd cooked up some really nice food and we were just talking. And so we were talking about that um Bisbing Sonnen and Bisbing um uh latest fight. And it was just like, oh man, what like what's gonna happen, man? And we're just like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I think Bisbing might be like a dude that just doesn't get the belt. But I was always just like, listen, I was like, listen, right? I always just felt that he, like, it, he might not get another contention fight, you know? He might not get another contention fight, but I think he can fight, like, 
because I think word was coming that the, the Anderson Silva might be possible, and it was just like, and I was just like, look, he beat Silva, and I think he can beat Silva. If he beats Silva, I think it's a who knows what the fuck's gonna happen, you know? Because I mean, it, it was always then the fault. Like I just felt that he can then put himself in that situation where he could get a last minute call up. And that it seemed that was what how Bisbing would do it. He would he would make it that he was the man. He was the man to call. You know what I mean? That's what it felt like. That um Bisbing was going to create his own possibilities. And that's what he did. That's what he did. A dude that could only see out of one eye. You know what I mean? He, 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 uh, yo, he created and seized that day. And that's, and that's, that's the thing, man. That's the thing. And I, look, I, I just think that he's just an example. He's a great example. Like, whether you watch UFC or not, Right, if you like, because people are always gonna doubt themselves, yeah, and and kids are always gonna wonder, can I do that? Can I do this? You know, right? What can I make of myself? And I just so I just think, right? If you whether you like fighting or not, Bisbing is that perfect example. That you can show someone and you say, hey, this is what hard work, grit and determination can do. You know, this is what it can do, people, because Bisping had been counted out. He'd been counted out. He'd lost sight in one eye. But that didn't stop him him like every time he lost he came back better he came back stronger and that's what you need to do in life right so you need to do so yeah bisbing is the perfect analogy boom nailed it perfect analogy for striving in this life and it was it was just really nice to see him be acknowledged and get inducted to the Hall of Fame. Ah, uh, so yeah. Ah, dear, oh dear. Probably went on a bit long there. But, um, hey, so that's it. Hall of Fame done. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was nice seeing that moment, right? So Biz being up on that stage with, uh, you know, Perillo, like his wife Rebecca, and then the kids came up. That was nice. That yeah, that that was really nice. And I think like when he was coming off stage, and then Anik came on to end it all. And Biz, I, you saw Bisbin look over at Anik, and you just thought, yeah, it was like you know what I mean. They're boys, and you could see. I think you just see Billy Bisbin just kind of, you know what I mean, just soak all that shit in. But, hey, that's the Hall of Fame done. 
Woo! So, tomorrow, well, later today, I've got UFC 239. Oh, my God. So, headlined by John Jones, Tiago Santos, co-main Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, Luke Rockhold, Jan Blokovic. Man. Diego Sanchez, Michael Chiesa. And that's just the main card. So, hey, looking forward to that. Um, And I will bring that to you also. All right. Oh, my God. This. Wow. Like, this has been incredible. (laughs) I think the third event in a row, there have just been some incredible friggin' fights, man. Ah, see, I love this time of year because there is always a good fight card just before or on my birthday, which is great. And, hey, this, uh, you know what I mean, this year is no different. So we had um, UFC 239, um, Jones v. Santos as the main event. And it was a stacked card. Like, just from the giddy up, we just saw some great fights. You know, like, the first fight, Julia Avila against Pani Kanzad. Um, yo, that was a good fight, that was a good fight, you know, I think Avila, yeah, Davila did take the fight, um, Burst was like, I think she came forward a bit more in the third round, it was close though, so it was a good fight, like the, the one that really stood out though, on the, um, on the fight pass early premiums, was, uh, Edmund Shabazian against Jack Marsham. Now, the thing was, Shabazian, up and comer. And he's a young cat. He He's looked extremely good, extremely talented. But can he do that with a um, an upgrade in opponent? And the other, and the other question for... His opponent, Marshman, was okay. So once he's left the uh, the Marines, once he's left the army, and is able to concentrate full time on fighting, will we be able to see an upgrade in his performances? Because he's always been decent, but now he's got more time to concentrate will that elevate him to the next level so that was the big thing going in well (laughs) yo i mean edmund just murked him that was insane you know like it 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 was Oh no, like Edmund just walked through Marshman basically. Walked through him, subbed him, 
that was done. So we've seen Shabazian knock people out, see them sub him. It, it's just like, hey, he, he is definitely looking like a well-rounded fighter. So the question is, what next? You know what I mean? Like, who do you put him against next? Because he's only had three fights in the UFC. So is he, you kind of feel, like, from his performances, you kind of feel top 10. But maybe top 15. You know what I mean? Maybe some, maybe the 15th ranked fighter put him against them or the foot. You know what I mean? Just outside top 10. And if he does well in that fight, then definitely top 10. Oh no, he's looking really frigging good though. That's all you can say. So then the prelims. God damn it. Like, listen, there was so many fights that had you just going, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like Shabazian one was one. And then the first fight on the prelims was another. It was, and um, uh, Algondro Perez. I feel I pronounced that wrong. Um, but it was Perez against Song Yedong, and so you're thinking, all right, this is gonna be a good fight, and definitely it's a step up in competition for Song Yedong. The thing with this fight was, because Perez is durable, he's a tough fucking fighter. Like, the thing with this fight, Song Yedong was, hey, he was sitting down on everything. But, he was moving, he was moving, so he was avoiding getting hit. And, he, he oh man, he just slid in and just landed just a ridiculous punch that put Perez out. Just a ridiculous punch that put him out. It was, oh, brutal. It was brutal, man. You know what I mean? It's like, and I mean, uh, Yedong is like Shabazian. It's just kind of like, you kind of feel, look, you don't want to rush him into like the elite of the elite in the division, but you from his performances you kind of feel yeah like that's the you mean who else is gonna challenge him, you know? Great fight. Great fight. These Chi there's some really good Chinese fighters in the UFC right now that have the potential to be champions. Definitely. Um, hey, out of this whole card, there was only one fight that was just a bit, uh, and that's the next fight. It was Claudia Gadea against Randa Marcos, and I don't know, like neither fight to really wanted to engage. Now it wasn't an. Francis Ngano, Derek Lewis level of lack of engagement, but it wasn't great. Like, just they would just seemed so tentative, so nervous 
to really get into it. But then the thing was, okay, so you don't want to get into a dogfight. Understandable. You know what I mean? I'm not faulting that. But then neither were really showing anything from range. You know? It it wasn't like we were seeing some in and out movement, a lot of like leg work, a lot of leg kicks, keeping someone at bay with the stiff jab. Like we weren't even seeing that. So it was just like, you know, Gadalia won the fight. Just, just like if this had ended in a draw, I you know. It, I'd have had no problem with that, because neither really, I I didn't really feel either kind of committed enough for that win, you know, Um, but, you know, just having one fight that was just a bit meh, that's not that bad, that's not that bad, really, so I'm not that mad, Um, so next we had Marlon Vera, and against a late replacement, Nahelene Hernandez. Now, Vera looked like he had the first round. Basically, he took Hernandez down. He was controlling him. Second round, though, Hernandez came back. He came back strong. And he kind of wobbled Vera. So you're just like, oh, shit. But... Hernandez went in for a takedown, got hit with a knee, and then that was it. Like, Vera then just swarmed him, got on top, and then just subbed him, you know. But I think it took Vera, like, because after he got rocked, there was an urgency in him. And that's when he threw the knee. That's when he just swarmed Hernandez. So it was it was a good, it was a really good fight. And I don't think Hernandez comes out bad from this because I think he took this fight on like three, four days notice. You know what I mean? And and as I said, look, he he was kind of controlled in the first round, but in the second round. He looked good. He looked good in that second round. So, you know, with a full fight camp, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Now, um, you know, it'll be good maybe if we can get Vera v O'Malley for the next fight. I think that would be a good one. So, um, the the, the prelims finished with Gilbert Menendez against Arnold Allen, and we haven't seen Menendez in, oh man, I think it's like two, three years, something like that, and he hadn't won in the octagon for a lot longer, but with all of that, look, he trained with Jake Shields, the Diaz brothers, he's part of that whole um, scrap pap crew, uh, you know, he, he did jujitsu with the graces. So, this is Arnold Allen's toughest opponent today. It was a definite challenge for him. 
So it's a test, you know, what's going to happen. And firstly, Alan sensibly got rid of the porn star moustache. So that was the first thing. (laughs) But, yo, Alan, I think Melendez came out, showed a little pressure in the first minute, but then Alan just took control. Just took control control it was just really slick movement he was in and out landing um jabs body shots kicks he really just dominated the fight Uh, you, you know at no point after that first minute was menendez really in this fight now he's tough as fuck because he took damage and he just he he stayed in there, but at no point did you think that he was gonna finish. Alan, just did yeah. There's no point that you thought Alan was gonna lose this fight. So he couldn't get the finish, but this was a really good performance, and a performance that I think is far more valuable to him than a quick finish or anything like that you know he got to he got to do three like intensive rounds in the octagon and that is so valuable to him but hey Alan's coming out party he looked tremendous and you know he definitely deserves a really good opponent in that next fight. Re- yeah, really does. He looked good. He definitely looked good. Uh, so, now we're on to the main card. And, whew, God damn it. These fights, boy. These fights. So we started off with Diego Sanchez against Michael Chiesa. Um, this is Chiesa's second fight at um at welterweight. And look, we all know how tough Sanchez is. And he's got good, you know, good wrestling, good jujitsu. So you're kind of like, I don't know, like Chiesa isn't going to walk through him like he did um, Condon, right? Well, <laughs> I have never seen Sanchez dominated like Chiesa dominated him. It it was just like, Sanchez had nothing in this fight, just nothing. Yo, there was no no time that you thought Chiesa was in trouble. He his control was something else. It really was. He was able to um like just keep top control and just ain't move with Diego. So when Diego like turned Chiesa was able to move his body, keep control, keep on top. 
like he he tried submission after submission uh and diego was able to get out i mean it did look it you know you did get the feel that chieso wasn't really fully committing to some of those submissions but even without fully committing to them hey they were tough you know what I mean? It, it, there was no kind of just throwing it up there. They, you, you, you know what I mean? Diego put in work to get out of those attempts. But Chiesa was so good. So damn good. So, yeah. I mean, you you definitely got to put Chiesa in the mix going forward. Definitely got to do that. It's like, oh, who the fuck do you put him against? You know? Um, I mean, hmm, like someone like Leon Edwards would be a good fight. You know, is someone like that? I don't know. Darren Till, if he stays at that weight. Yeah, who fucking knows? But, hey. I think Chesser is definitely one to watch now he's at welterweight. Because without having to do that weight cut, he is looking phenomenal. Phenomenal. So next fight was um, Luke Rockhold's debut at light heavyweight. So he's fighting Jan Blokovich. Um, last time we saw Jan... He got knocked out by um, Thiago Santos. You know, that was the eliminator to see who was going to fight Jones. And, um, you know, but Rockhold was coming off a, a, a knockout, you know, against Yael Romero. So both were coming off knockouts. But I, I, I think Rockhold, you know, he, he had the better, I think he had the better tools for this fight, you know, his kicks, his, his ground game, you know what I mean, you just felt that he's probably got a bit too much for Blokovic, so, I mean, and I have to say, look, in the first round, Rockhold was looking good, like he was throwing kicks, he was throwing, he you know, utilizing his jab. Now he did get touched a few times by um Blokovic. Definitely got touched a few times, but you felt that Rockhold was probably winning the round. You know, he 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 did um I I felt that he he wasted a lot of time trying to take Blokovic down. So, I think after the initial attempt, he probably should have broken away and then continued to pepper him from range, control it from range. But, yeah. Um, now, the thing was, at the buzzer, at the buzzer, Blokovic threw a kick clearly landed after the buzzer and put Rockhold down 
it was like um, Holly Holmes, Jermaine Durandrame. You know what I mean? It was it was the I felt it was the equivalent of that because Rockhold was stunned, and it definitely was a late kick. Now the thing, the interesting thing was the commission wanted to speak to Herb Dean, who was refing the fight. Now Herb said the kick landed on the buzzer. The kick didn't land on the buzzer. It definitely did not land on the buzzer. It was a clear late kick. Clear late kick. You know. And it was one of those ones where they, what you, you felt there was, it wasn't like there was a load of noise in the arena. And you missed the buzzer. Like everyone heard the buzzer. So I, I thought that was. Mm, that wasn't great. That whole thing wasn't great. Now. Coming out in the second round, I thought that it was clear that Rockhold was still stunned. You know what I mean? He 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 did look he looked clunky. He wasn't looking smooth at all. So the fact that he then gets knocked out just after a minute, got a, a left hook, you know what I mean? Put him down. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. And listen, right? You can't take away from Blokovic for the punch that put Rockhold down. But Rockhold was compromised going into that second round. And I, I kind of feel that if he was to put a complaint in... You know, if if you were actually reviewing that fight for what happened, you would class that as a no contest. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, yeah, it was not good. And then Blakovic landed, I don't know, like two, three punches when, hey, come on, man. I think everyone knew that Rockhold was out. Like, those those last few punches did not need to be landed. Definitely did not need to be landed. And it's very concerning. I have to say, I feel it's very concerning. Now, see, that leads us to the next fight, which was Jorge Masvidal against Ben Ashgren. And when you looked at any poll, anything like that, this would seem to be the fight that everyone was looking forward to. Everyone was interested in. And, um, oh my God. Oh my fucking God. This was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Massivel just charged the Askren and I don't even fucking know. Askren went for the takedown and just ate a flying knee. And you kind of feel when someone's running at you like that, they're gonna be throwing a knee. So I don't understand why you know what I mean. 
Askren went down like that. I mean, the better thing probably would have been to sidestep, back up. I don't know. But, like, throw, um, you know what I mean, a, 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 a push kick. Not go for the takedown. Because that is so, it's the fastest knockout in UFC history, right? So it's down as five seconds. It wasn't five seconds. It was probably three seconds. Maybe two. Definitely three. But you then had the referee having to get over to stop the fight. And in that time, Maskevel landed two punches to the jaw. And when I say punches to the door, jaw, I'm not saying skimming punches. I'm saying pin point clean fucking punches to the jaw Ashgrim was clearly out clearly out and this is the problem because look now I in the rules I know it's not over until the referee stops the fight but when the referee is away away from the action, he isn't going to get there in time to stop unnecessary punches landing. And the problem with these unnecessary punches are when someone is out cold, their head is just... Because you know Look, if you're conscious, you can try and roll with a punch. You 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 can try and move your head. You're you're bracing yourself for it, but when you're out, your head is just bouncing against the canvas, which is definitely increasing the damage you are taking. And that's what makes it so fucking worrying. Because you've all, your head's already been cracked and just sent into orbit by the punch, the kick, the elbow, the knee that landed. Then your fucking head is bouncing off the canvas so the brain is just ricocheting inside another few times. Look. You know, I know... Uh, knockouts are just that oh my god moment but we are seeing so many fucking brutal knockouts of late i think something needs to be done to stop the punches after the knockout so i don't know if the referee needs to be given like uh, a little button device so when if he's not close enough to jump between the fighters he can press the button and the lights go like i don't know there's a there's a big noise there's a flash of lights that are the indication that the other fighter has to fucking stop because i don't know something needs to happen to stop the unnecessary damage. Because it's fucking crazy. For some fighters. When they don't like the opponent. They know the opponent's out. 
they know the opponent's out, but they're just landing the punches because it's just a fuck you to the person. And hey, yeah, it it, it looks good on a highlight reel, maybe. You know what I mean? It looks sensational. It looks like, oh shit. But, you know what I mean? It's just a bit concerning. But, this is fucking fighting. Everyone knows what they're signing up to. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. But, god damn it. That was a knee from hell. A knee from fucking hell. Hell, man. So next up, we got Amanda Nunes against Holly Holm, and um, you know what I mean. I I think a lot of people were thinking that this fight was going to go the distance, and Nunes was going to take the decision because Holly is mobile; she can fight from range. Um. So it wasn't going to be easy for Nunes to touch her. That was the consensus. You know what I mean? And you'd say, look, that's a fair, that's a fair verdict. You know, on paper, that's fair. Oh my God. This fight. It's just like, you know, it, it, it started off, they were exchanging Exchanging kicks, exchanging punches, jabs, all of that. But Nunez, like Holmes, she was engaging a lot more than you thought she would. You know, she wasn't really moving a lot. You know, she wasn't using the tactics you thought that she would utilize. You know, a from range, in and out Stinging attack. She she was standing a bit closer, you know, engaging a lot more than you thought. And yo, so we're in the first round. Holmes lifts up her leg to throw a kick, but then it just seems that she's had second thoughts. Yo, that's all the time that was needed, son. All the time that was needed was in that split friggin' second. Nunez threw a sweet ass kick that just landed on Holmes's jaw and put her out. Put her out. Like she was she was just on her ass. Then Nunez landed like one punch, I think it was just one punch, and then Goddard just pushed Nunes across the fucking ring, man, which, you know, you're just like, god damn it, but, but, he, 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 he saved Holmes, man, but you did kind of feel that Nunes wasn't going to throw another punch, she kind of cocked two throw, and then she paused, so I don't think Nunes was gonna throw, but Goddard Goddard wasn't taking any friggin' chances. It was just a sensational performance from Nunes. Such a sensational performance. And you think to yourself, who the fuck can stop her? You know what I mean? Who 
the fuck can stop her? So, like, the only, the only possible fight, really, for Nunes is a a rematch with Cyborg. So, Cyborg is fighting, um, Felice Spencer next, I believe. Um, and I, I don't think Spence, like, she's a good submission fighter. I don't think she will be able to take Cyborg's power. So I don't think we're going to see an ups, uh, uh, you know, what I mean, uh, uh, an upset there, which means I think it's it's open for a Cyborg Nunes rematch. But Cyborg is saying she's going to test the free agency and all of that. I think she would be foolish to, um, you know, what I mean, not take a rematch. You know what I mean? Because she did land and she did rock Nunez in that first fight. It's just Nunez recovered so fucking fast and then put Cyborg's lights out. You know? It it just seemed that Cyborg wasn't expected to be her. That's the thing with that fight. But I think that's the only fight that can be made. You could possibly... You could possibly go... Um, Shevchenko, you mean, look, do you want to step up and fight Nunes on a trilogy? Because they were all close fights. For for anyone else at 135, they're not beating Nunes. They're really not. I don't know. I don't think anyone can. She is just that freaking... Good and talented. It's ridiculous. She's the female goat. For sure. For sure. Uh, so next up. It's John Jones against Thiago Santos. Um, And you know. Santos punches hard. So Jones had to kind of avoid those heavy punches. Now. I, I, you know. The first round was a tentative round. There was a lot of leg kicking and stuff like that. You could easily give that first round to Santos. You know what I mean? I think from there, Jones did control the fight. But, you know, like, look, people are booing, people are that. But the thing is, Jones fought a really intelligent fight. Because... You can't race in. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about getting knocked out by Santos. So, he... he I think he was very calculated. He, he was cautious. But in a controlled manner. You know, he didn't put himself in harm's way. Which was extremely sensible. So, I, I feel... I, I, I don't believe it was a split decision. I think Jones clearly won the fight. But Santos did put it on a hell of a performance. He definitely put on a hell of a performance. There's no taking away from that. But Jones won that fight. He definitely won that fight. Question is, who the fuck does Jones fight next? 
You know what I mean? I, I don't think there's anyone that light heavy specifically. I, I think Blokovic will kind of ask for the fight after knocking out Rockhold. But I just, you know, you can't see him beating Jones. So I think the only thing going forward, it, it's kind of Jones the um, Cormier. Well, it, it's it's kind of Jones v the winner of Cormier Miocic. You know what I mean? I think that is probably the fight. Probably the fight. If it is Cormier, then hey, that would be a great ending to it all. You know what I mean? Like a final fight at heavyweight. Which is where you feel DC stands the best opportunity against Jones. But yeah. Or otherwise, it's Jones against Stipe. And Stipe isn't a huge heavyweight. So it is. it would be a fight that makes sense. But I think that is the next fight for Jones. Um, and, oh God, so, that, that fight is, um, man, it's August, isn't it? I, I, I think, Jones, Cormier, yeah, it's the 17th of August, hmm, now, Madison Square Garden, I think that's November, right? That's November. So, September, October. Hmm. Interesting. Like, because, you know, having the winner, having the winner... Fight Jones, Madison Square Garden. That would be the fight. That would be the fight. Or do it December card. That that you know what I mean that end of year card. But yeah, Jones, the the winner of Stipe Cormier, Madison or end of year card. I think that's the way to go. That's definitely. The way to go next. But yeah. What a fucking card. What a card. So much fun. I enjoy. As I said look. I enjoyed every one of those freaking fights. The only fight that was just. Eh. Was the. Um, Gedalia Marcos. So that's one fight. You know what I mean. One fight. Out of. I don't know. Out of 12. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I take I would take that. So yeah, UFC 239 International Fight Week. Ah, another great one. So uh, you know, next week We've got um, Jermaine, 
Jermaine Durandame against Aspen Ladd. So this is the Sacramento card, 14th of July. Co-main event, Uriah Faber, Ricky Simone. You've also got Josh Emmett against Misad Balbeck. Um, Carl Robinson against Wellington Furman. Marvin Vittori against Cesar Ferreira. Um, oh, I don't know. Because you, it was meant to have um, Binal Derouche against Dakar Close. But I believe um, uh, Derouche has just pulled out with an injury. So I don't know what's happening with that fight. But we've also got um, like Juliana Penna. Is fighting um, Nico Montana. Andre Feely is fighting Shimon Marais. Oh, there's some good fights. Darren Elkins, Brian Hall. Whoa. God damn it. And. And. Which is so exciting. Brianna Van Buren. Is making her UFC debut. Now people. If you watched the first Invicta Rising event. Brianna Van Buren. Is a beast. God damn it. So talented. So I cannot wait for, to see her. Make her UFC debut. Against um, Leva Renata Sores. Oh. This is going to be fun, people. This is going to be so damn fun. So, yeah, next week, Sacramento card, UFC Fight Night 155, I believe. So, yeah, um, looking forward to that. All right. Okay, so, um, you know, what do you do after UFC 239, right? <laughs> you read, what do you do after that? Well, luckily, I, I just went on Spike Pass and there was Submission Underground 9. Now, I'd forgotten that Chael signed the deal, so it was going to be on Fight Pass. I've never seen it before. I thought, hey, let me check it out. And. <laughs> there was tag team grappling matches tag team grappling matches which was insane so they had or did they do they had um three no four four tag team matches first time i've ever seen this shit i well i mean i i watched quintet which is like a crazy concept, you know. Um. Oh, and I have seen those YouTube videos of the um, the kind of group MMA fights, which is insane. But yeah, this whole tag team grappling match thing—it's crazy, but it's so friggin' intriguing because. You're watching these people really kind of utilize the space. 
and it's about kind of tagging in your partner at exactly the right time and there was some great tags like i think it was in the um 10th planet uh team ngsf match because um like those 10th planet cats are so damn good but the team nsgf were like whoa and there was a moment when um one of them had a 10th planet cat down and he tagged so then the, his partner could gr- take the back just straight away he took the back so while the dude was being held he took the back you know what I mean? it's just like whoa that it was just a perfect transition you know and it's just like how do you counter that there's some crazy shit so straight away some motherfuckers on your back hand underneath your chin you're fucked right and and that's what it was it's it was it's a chess match like a normal grappling match is chess in itself right because you're you're trying to think about what to do next and you're trying to hide you're trying to hide the movements so your opponent doesn't know what you're, you know what I mean, what you're positioning for. But this, this tag stuff, it's even more so. Because also it's like, it's not just, okay, when do I, um, when's the best opportunity to tag? But it's also positioning in the cage. So you are seeing people try and drag someone across to their side of the cage. You know, so if you can hold someone in your side of the cage, it allows easy tags and everything like that. You kind of control the the landscape of things. So it was really interesting, man. It was just like, yo, I will definitely be checking this out again. Um, But they also had some good matches. Like uh, there was Eddie Flowers against Josh Manfredi. And that was a gi match. So this is the thing, this submission underground. It's crazy. So you've got these tag matches. You've got gi matches. You've got no gi matches. It's just like this weird hybrid event. So, because sometimes you see all these different events and you go, like, what? what's the difference? Because, you know, I have to say my favourite is, like, well, it was EBI. Now you got to say it's combat jiu-jitsu because that's the shit. But, yeah, like, so I was wondering what would Submission Underground be? But because it's so different... You can enjoy it for what it is. And so, yeah, the Eddie Flowers fight. Whoa. I don't I, I don't watch a lot of gee stuff. So this was, so it went, I believe it went, oh, did it go to overtime? Fuck, yeah, I think it went to overtime. So it went to EBI rules in overtime. And um, so Eddie 
threw his legs up and you know, he kind of threw his legs up but you were just like it, it didn't seem like he had the triangle um no i think it was an arm like uh, it's a weird kind of triangle like arm barry kind of but it didn't like if it was no gi you wouldn't have it it wouldn't have been fully locked in but because it was gi he's pulling down on the gi which was then helping cause the choke yo do you know what I mean? It's just that crazy thing. It's just like there's new things to look for. Because, yeah, because I watched more No Gi. It's like I didn't see that coming, which was crazy. So when um Josh tapped, I was like, yo, what the fuck just happened there? And then you see the instant replay and you're like, oh, shit. Awesome. So, yeah, that was crazy. Um, the uh, the three main fights of the night was um, Mika Brakefield against Kevin Casey. Uh, this fight, like Casey, was the bigger fighter. Okay, um, and yeah, I think he he ma he got Mika down, and he kind of just held him there. Like, Mika was throwing up stuff to try and catch him. At one point, he had him in a uh, reverse triangle, but that didn't work. But, yeah, Casey mainly was kind of holding it in place to get it to overtime. Uh, when it went to overtime... So, in EBI rules, you can have... Um, the spider web or back or or, or uh, 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 you know you, you taking the back um and it, like uh, most people in this event went for spider web um so essentially that's like you're in position for an arm bar but you can't have both hands on the arm one arm has to be on the ground when um you know the, 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 uh, everything starts but Casey was able to, um, yeah, he sunk it in. He sunk it in quick, real quick. So I think um, Mika had like 12 seconds. Like he went for the spider web as well. Um, but he didn't get his, his second leg over the head. So, yeah, Casey kind of escaped straight away. Which you can definitely see Mika was frustrated in this match. Because, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't overly exciting because Casey didn't really try. You know, he didn't try for um, positions. You know? Um, but... Yeah, he, he did have control. So you have to give it to him for being able to maintain control. But he didn't use that control to obtain a position. Uh, so next up, we had Gabriel Gonzaga against Fabiana Schirmer. 
And so this was a rematch. I think it's like nine years in the making from uh, UFC 66. Urgh. Yeah, I think so. It was in 2006. Uh, and Gonzalo won that fight. Uh, so, yeah, this was essentially um, kind of a rematch, but in the grappling arena. No gi. Um, and, uh, yeah, Gonzaga was so methodical. So methodical. He, um, yeah, he took um, Shermer down and then he... He was able to control Shermer, but unlike Casey, he was trying for um, positions. So, like, he was in half guard. He then he um, transitioned to full mount, and yeah, he was flowing. He was flowing a lot of times. It, you know, you could see him going for the key lock. Wasn't able to get that though, um, and then he he was go he he went he was looking at the armbar, but Shermer was able to see these things coming and just change his position and make sure that um, Gonzalo couldn't get he, like any of these um, yeah any of these uh, moves on, but yeah Gonzalo was ah. It was great control, so it went to overtime, and um, again, that it started off with Sherma. Sherma went for the arm lock, uh, the spider web, um, and yeah, like Gonzalo, he he uh, he moved his body and his hips around so he could drag his elbow out. It was really slick. Yeah, it was it was a really slick um, move, which was impressive. But when Gonzalo went for um, his uh, his turn, it was like the rest of the match. There was this uh, methodical competency in the way he went about it. So, you know, he didn't rush. It was very controlled. And, uh, yeah, like, Shermer tried to stack him. But, you know, he didn't lose his composure. And he just twerked and was able to get the tap. He straightened out that arm, was able to get the tap. It was a really good performance from Gonzalo. And, um... Yeah, he's, he was just all about, yeah, this is what he's going to do now. He, he's going to do a lot more grappling, which is very interesting. And he did call out Craig Jones. So, oh, that could be a fun one. That could definitely be a fun one. But, yes, the main event, it was uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson against... Craig Jones and the crazy thing about this right so the stats were um Johnson's 35 Jones is 27 Johnson is 6'2 Jones is 5'11 
Johnson was 300 pounds. Jones was 195. Which is just like, God damn it, man. You know? And, um, like Jones had said, he didn't really want to be play bottom. But he he started like he does in a lot of his his matches. So, you know, he, he sat down and kind of pulled Johnson into him. So, uh, yeah, you were like, it was just that wonder. It's like, can Johnson utilize his strength and his weight to gain control and position on Jones? Um, but Jones was able to lock up his wrist and yeah, so he was just kind of maneuvering Johnson around. At one point, he threw up a triangle, but let that go straight away. And then he kind of spun and grabbed the leg. So they went down. Johnson grabbed the leg as well. But, you know, <laughs> hey, when it comes to legs, Jones is an animal. So it was it was a quick tap. Rumble just he had to tap quick. So it was over, man. It was over. Whew. And um yeah, you kind of think who can face Jones? And I think like look, there's only so many people that you think could probably go against Jones, right? So I would say um Boogie Martinez. That would be a great match. You know what I mean? Um, and then it's... Uh, um, fuck, what's my man's name? Golden Ryan. So, Golden Ryan. You know? I think it's got to be between Golden Ryan and Cray Jones. And then throwing Boogie, you know? I think any of those matches would be great to see i would really be interested to see those fights uh but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and talking about Bruce, so i haven't because he was fighting in ksw i think it is um don't know how to get that over here uh but i did see a highlight and god damn it man oh like, I think it might have been on Robin Black's um, Instagram. But, oh my gosh. The, 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 the sequence he got in to win his fight, it was crazy. It was so slick. So slick, man. Boogie is a gangster freak, sorry. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Oh, this has been good, man. This has been... Hey, this weekend of fights, really frigging good. Really good. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the Contender series is um, is like, yeah? Hmm. Yes, yes. So, it was a Contender series. Sorry, Dana White's Contender series last night and um 
you know, it's coming back after a week's hiatus because of International Fighters Week. Um, and I think the big thing was, um, like, Dana, like, saying what he wanted to see from fighters. You know, fighters that really threw everything at the wall to win a fight. You know, it wasn't just like you have to knock someone out. But when you've got someone hurt and there's a few seconds left, don't go for a takedown. You know what I mean? You have to have that killer instinct to go for the finish. So that was the big thing and the big controversy in uh, week two. So week three, yo... It's like everyone took note. Everyone took note. This week was bananas. Just for the fact that yo, every fight was just intense. Like everyone really went for it. You know, you couldn't look at any of the fights and go, eh, yo, that guy, he, he didn't really do much. You know, like I would say the only thing, like there was two fights that I wasn't quite sure about. Um, <clears throat> like the John, the first fight was Jonathan Pierce against Jacob, Jacob Rosales, Rosales, I think. Um, now, Jonathan Pierce took that fight and he looked good in the fight. He looked like the best of the better fighter you know my only concern well my two concerns were he his defense because he was getting hit a lot he was getting hit a lot and he um it just seemed that he was rushing a bit like and when I say rushing a bit is he he, it didn't seem like he was sitting down on his punches. He was so, e like, he was really eager to, um, you know, be there and try and get that contract. So he was just rushing a bit on the punches. So he was throwing. He was doing his thing, man. He was throwing punches. He was coming forward. He was getting takedowns. But you felt, what well, I felt, should I say, if he took a breath, took a moment, he could probably have finished that fight. That's what I was thinking in that fight. Um, yo, the next fight, Maki Pitola against Justin Sumter. Jeez. Oh, that was friggin' brutal, right? So, and it was a crazy one because Sumter landed a great hard jab on Pitola. And it stumbled Pitola. He, you, you, know, you could see him visibly rocked from the punch. But the, I think the problem was Pitola would come forward... And Sumter would, um, uh, what's the word? He would kind of cradle up against the fence. 
I think cradle up isn't a word, but I feel you know what I mean. So he'd be up against the fence. I don't know if he was like just taking a breath or he wanted just to um, try and let Patola punch himself out for a minute. Because he'd do that and then he would move. But I think it's the punches started to take their toll on him. Because these aren't boxing gloves. You know what I mean? So there's only so many punches you can take without it. You know what I mean? You start feeling the effects, right? And like Patola landed a body punch that you could see made Sumter wince. And the, oh my God, the noise of the punches as they were smacking into his, um, his side. Ugh. It just sounded horrible. And, um, yeah, so you could, you, you heard him wince. And then he brought his, Sumter brought his other arm across to hold his side. So straight away, that's signaling that you are hurt. And um, Pitola landed a, a couple more jabs to the side. And then because his head is now unprotected on the other side, he was able to land some punches there. Sumter went down. Pitola just continued to swarm. And the referee thankfully stopped that. Because boy, yeah, that was that was some vicious. Oh, that was some vicious intent right there, you know. Um, but yeah, that was a crazy fight. We then had Chris Ocon against Hunter Azur. Um, and this fight, so Hunter Azur. He was good. He was good. I would. I did wonder if in the first round he had, you know, what I mean, he'd gassed himself out a bit because he went so hard, so hard against some um, Ocon. Um, but in the in in round two and three, he it what they weren't as fast paced, but. Um, Azur seemed to be able to, um, like, he, he, he was able to turn it on and control the situation, you know, so he, he wasn't swarming as much, which is probably a sensible thing, um, but yeah, he, he was able to control it a bit more, but, um, it, it, I don't know. I th- I think again there was moments when he he maybe could have finished if he had just taken a moment to breathe. I kind of felt in that fight. We then had Kenneth Burr against Antonio Tricoli. Whoa, Tricoli is a big motherfucker, right, big motherfucker at 205, and they were saying that he might drop down to um, middleweight, so 185, which you just think, fuck, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck. But I ain't gonna lie. The way he fought in this fight, yo, I think he could do something at you know, two oh five, like heavy. Because so at the beginning they were on their feet. He threw a kick and ugh. When you saw the kick in slow motion, the way the foot hit, and it kind of then got trapped, so it then, like, it didn't come out cleanly, it wasn't just a kick and then follow through, it kind of got trapped, so then it came out at this weird angle, and you're just like, your foot shouldn't come at that angle, yeah. That was bad. So after that exchange on the feet, he got pressure. Um, you know, he pressured uh, Burt against the cage. Pressured him against the cage. And then he took him down. Um, and oh, it was a great, it was a great uh it was like an arm drag takedown. You know, it was, it was slick as hell, man. And once he had him down, yo, you could see it was done. Because his control was so good. So good. And he was he, he took the back. And it was such a slick transition that, um, you know, it was just like, fuck, what is he going to do with him? And he just got this nasty neck crank. So, it, you know, I mean, arm wasn't underneath the chin. It was across the jaw. And he was just twerking Burr's head around. And Burr, oh man, he had to tap. He had to tap quick. Because, yo, he, his jaw must have felt like it was going to come off. It was nasty, man. And it finished. Whoa. So, it finished with Jesse Wallace against Joseph Selecki. And, like, in all the preview and all the talk, you, like, I don't know. You kind of got the feeling that Jesse Wallace was the one to watch in this fight. Yo, it it was definitely all about Selecki. Selecki just was one step ahead of Wallace. Just one step ahead of him, you know, and then just controlled it all. Controlled every aspect of that fight. Sunk in the submission. And, hey, it was such... Oh man, that's like the way he locked it because it was an arm in, arm in choke, man. Um, and so you're wondering, like, because that's always a tough one. That's a tough one to pull off. Hey, but um, Ink, he was able to turn it, so he was then on top, which just made the choke worse for Wallace. Made it worse. Wallace tried to fight it. But then you just saw his arm drop and it was just like, fuck, he is out. He is out. So, yeah, that, that was, yeah, it was a great fight for Selecki. And um, 
for the first ever fucking time. Yo, Dana gave every motherfucker a contract. Everyone got a contract. Which is insane. Because watching it, so I thought, I thought the contracts were going to go to Pitoli, um, Trocoli, and then Selecki. I thought they, I thought they were going to get a contract for f- sure, and maybe Azuri and Pierce might get a second fight. I thought that might happen, but Dana was just like, because see, this is the thing, right? Pierce and Azur both showed, they both definitely showed good control in their fights. They showed good control, they came forward, they did look to win. And so, you know, you can't fault them getting a contract. Because it's not like they didn't look good. I think it was just a case of, if they had just, you know what I mean, breathed, they probably could have finished their fight. But, A, it's a high-pressure situation. So, A, it'll be interesting seeing them in their first fight in the octagon, you know. But, yeah, A, people are going to watch this week. You know what I mean? It'll be interesting to see how cats perform next week. You know? Hey, the call has been made. So everyone now knows exactly what Dana wants to see. You know, how you should perform if you you want a chance at a contract. It's it's clear. Like, it was clear from the giddy-up, really. You know what I mean? So, hey, I'm looking forward to next week. Because if it, if it's just a, a fraction of this, it's going to be a great, great little selection of fights, man. But, yeah. Whew. That was the end of all the action this week, boy. Pretty damn good. Okay, people. So, um... Yeah, that's it. First episode of Chin Check is virtually done. But, hey, a few fights have been announced that are looking kind of interesting. So, um, Cub Swanson against Cron Gracie has been signed. Now, that's an interesting one. But I think that, look, you have to look at this fight like this, right? If it stays on its feet, then, yeah, you got to give it to Cub. <clears throat> but if Kron gets him to the ground, like in the previous fight, it's done. And, like, it's, Cub get, does get hit. Cub gets taken down. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I can't remember any fight where he stuffed every takedown. So, yeah, yeah I, I kind of feel like Cub is a great fighter. I remember watching him in the WEC and everything like that. 
But I I just think that Kron Hey, he he's gonna take this one. You know what I mean? I I, I feel Kron will take unless he gets knocked out at, in, in the opening moments of the first. You know, if that doesn't happen, he's gonna get hold of Cub, get him down, and then strangle him. Or something. That's what I would suspect. Uh <clears throat> so um we've also got uh what was the other fight? Yes, that's it. Carla Espraza against Alessa Alexa Grasso. Oh now this is an interesting one. Because Esparza has she's really kind of turned her shit around. And she's looked really good in her last few fights. And I have to say, the last fight... Shit, I can't remember who the last fight was against. But I remember thing Like, now, I believe she lost it. But I remember thinking... Um... Hey, I, I feel that she won that fight. You know? I feel she won that fight. But, uh... <clears throat> you know... I mean, no, she won her last fight, but I think the fight before that, yeah, that was the one where I thought, nah, man, I think she won that fight. But, yeah, yo, I think the fight in Mexico City, so it should be, I think, UFC on ESPN 17 on the 21st of September. So, um, yeah, I think this is a really good fight. I mean, Grasso looked sensational in her last fight against Karolina Kavolkovic. She she looked like the Grasso who I remember seeing fight in um, Invicta. So I, you know, I, I, but I kind of feel if that Grasso fights Esparza, then. Hey, I, I think it's all Grasso. That, that's what I kind of feel. But, hey, this is definitely going to be a good fight. Definitely going to be a good fight. Oh, what else? Um, Man, so... <laughs> T.O. is fighting again, which is uh, crazy. He's going to be fighting Roberto, um, oh, uh, is it Roberto Del, Albert Del, Ber, um, uh, what the fuck, Alberto Del Rio, like, used to be, used to be in the WEC, um, he, he was, I think he was married to Paige, I believe. Or they were just dating. Um, but yeah. That's, a, that's a, an odd one. But who knows? Who knows what will happen, man? Uh, and uh, yeah, John Lineker has been signed by one. I don't, I've, yeah, I've, 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 I'm not quite sure. I, I, I haven't really looked into it. So I don't know why he got released by the UFC. Um, but yeah, he's signed to one. An interesting thing about it, he's gonna be fighting at uh, featherweight, 145. 
So yeah, there's I think one do this thing where you 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 know they they, they check all the fighters' weights and everything like that, and you kind of have to fight at what you walk around at rather than you know you cut in. So uh, Demetrius Johnson, you know who was the flyweight champion, he's now fighting at bantamweight, hundred and thirty five. So, um, yeah, so Lineker's going to be fighting at 145 pounds. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens there, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to watch one over here. But um, I think they're, they're signing some decent fighters. So, hey, you know what I mean? All power. And it's good to have that competition. You know what I mean? It's good that there's, you know, it's not just the UFC. Because, like, we've seen what happens when there's no one else. Like, remember back in the day when it was the WWF and you had the WCW, you had ECW. You know what I mean? There was different places that people could go. Um, But then when WWF became WWE and they bought everyone out, I think it watered down the product. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's good one are out there making their moves. You got Bellator making their moves. So, um, hey, it's a good time for mixed martial arts, people. So, um, you know, there's the Durandamy lad fight next week. So, uh, yeah, we'll be um, breaking that one down. Um, yeah, next week. So, mm, I don't know. I might try and aim for for these to go out on a Monday. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Okay. But there will be one. So uh, look out for your next bonus episode of Echoes from the Void. Um, Yeah. Look out for Chin Check 2 next week. All right. Thank you. Peace.